in and says, uh, wedding, I, I was thinking back to my wedding, and I was thinking back to when I moved to Memphis, and uh, well, outside of Memphis, Olive Branch, uh, Mississippi, and I guess I moved in August, or the end of July, first couple of weeks of August, I met a, a girl named Crystal back then. I, you could probably call her a girl, wouldn't you, babe, when you say you was probably a girl? She sent me a picture the other day of when we first started dating. I was like, man, these kids, when were we thinking? But anyway, uh, I moved, and I, and I met Crystal, and I guess within a few months we began dating, and the next year we were married. I mean, it happened really quickly. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. I don't know what we were thinking. But uh, actually, I do know what I was thinking. I was thinking I better get her and I better hang on to her because there's not going to be a, another uh, chance like this. And so uh, we, we, we got married, and uh, it's been great. It's still the best decision I've ever made by far. It's not even close, I guess, other than trusting Jesus. But... Trusting or uh, choosing Crystal was a pretty good choice as well. Uh, she's kept me grounded over the years. But I was thinking about marriage, and I was thinking about what that means and why so many folks find it hard to finally say, yes, we're, we're going to get married, finally say, yes, we're, we're going to make that commitment. It's because you're saying no to everyone else. It's because you're saying you're mine and I'm yours, and we're going to walk through this together. Like, I'm... I'm going to commit to you. I'm not keeping my options open. This is it. This is, this is it. This is my last shot. If I get this wrong, it's going to be bad. And so we get nervous. We get scared. And, and of course, I can say I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I knew I was making the right choice. I'm not so sure if she still thinks that. But, you know, we'll work through that. But, but as I was thinking through uh, this passage of Scripture, we come to this morning as Jesus speaks to us about salvation, as he speaks to us about following him, I couldn't help but think about the fact that what we're saying when we follow Jesus is I'm trusting him and I'm not keeping my options open. Like I'm not hoping that some, something better comes along down the line or someone better comes along down the line. Like I'm not hoping that a better God or a better Messiah comes along with a better deal on down the road. I, I, I don't think and I believe that I, I'm certain that this is the best option available to me and there's never going to be anyone else that that's what salvation is it is saying jesus is everything and jesus is the best option possible and, and so jesus he shows up at a, at a wedding or not a wedding but at a dinner as he often does he shows up uh the pharisees have invited him they've invited him to try and trick him and make him look bad again well as jesus does he humiliates them because I don't know if you know this or not, but when you try to make God look dumb, the opposite happens. Like over and over again, these people look done, dumb, they look embarrassed, they look humiliated because they keep trying to trick Jesus. Uh, and so Jesus, uh, he, he shows them again just how foolish they are. And then verse 7 here in Luke chapter 14, he begins to address the people that are gathered at this feast. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, uh, uh, invited you both will come to you and, and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. So, Jesus gives them some practical advice. He says, when you show up at a wedding feast, when you show up and you've been invited somewhere, don't go sit in the best seat in the house. Don't go sit in the place of honor. Like in this culture, 
where you sat mattered. Like the closer you sat to the host, that usually they were like a U-shaped uh, table. The, the host would sit at the head or at the middle of the U, and the further out you went, the less important you were to the host. And so Jesus says, when you show up, don't take the best seat. So in a Baptist church, don't sit in the back, right? I mean, that's the best seat. But those are the ones who fill up first, I'm just saying. But, uh, but don't, don't take the best seat. Don't show up and decide you're the most important person there. And this is a good advice for all around, right? I mean, it's, never, it's always embarrassing when you show up and you sit in someone else's seat. A, a couple of weeks ago, we, we went uh, to the movies, and you know, at behind the mall now you can like, reserve your seats. It's a crazy world we live in, but you can reserve your seats. And so we reserved our seats, and we got there, and other people had reserved seats right next to us. And they were kind of loud, and I was like, man, I don't want to sit right by them. And it's not because, you know, I wasn't judging. I just, you know, some people were loud during the, during the, service, or during the, the uh, movie. And so I was like, well, let's sit down here, sweetie. And so we, we kind of sat a few rows down, or a few seats down, and I kept looking at my phone, making sure that nobody reserved our seats. And I was like, now you watch. You watch. you got to move. I ain't moving. You move. Because I didn't want to be embarrassed by somebody saying, hey, you're in my seat. Like, how embarrassing would that be? Well, the, Jesus says, don't show up and sit in the best seat because then the guy may come and get you and say, hey, man, I'm sorry to tell you you're not as important as you thought you were. I'm sorry to tell you, yeah, this guy's kind of important, more important than you are, and there's no seats left, so you've got to sit at the far end down at the kiddie table with, where nobody else wants to sit. How embarrassing would that be to walk all the way down there? So Jesus gives some good practical advice, good practical advice for all of life. Like if you always show up and you always believe you're the most important person, people are going to not want to be around you. I mean, that's just good advice. But then look at verse 10. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. In verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is Jesus' point. He's going to continue to make it for a moment before he really, uh, he hammers home this truth into our lives. But, and so how much better would it be for you to sit at the end, the lowest point, and have the guy walk you, escort you to the very front of the line? Oh, sir, I'm sorry. You sat too low. We, you, you're way more important to me than that. And watch, everybody watches you walk up. And so Jesus looks, remember, he's humiliated the Pharisees. He looks at the guests at this banquet and he says, Guys, why are y'all fighting over the best seat in the house? Go sit at the other end and be honored. Quit uh, being so prideful. Be humble because if you're not, God will humble you. And so Jesus isn't done. Remember, Jesus, when he shows up at a party, he tends to make a scene. Verse 12, he also said to the man who had invited him, so he looks at the guy who's in charge of the party. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. So he's looking at the people that this man has invited. And he said, you invited all the, the important people. You invited all the people uh, in, the, in the town that are important and that have money. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. He's like, don't just invite people who are going to invite you back. Don't invite people who are going to make you feel important when they invite you back to their party. So don't invite people just because you believe on down the road you're going to get something in return. He's already taught this once. You know, don't be nice just to the people who you think you can get something out of. Like the way we treat people should not be based on the amount of money they have in the bank. It should not be based upon the amount of influence they have 
to help us out. It should be based on the fact that Christ has died for us and we owe them. Uh, we owe him everything. And so we are kind to all. We show honor to all because we are not that important. But look at verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so Jesus says, don't just invite people who are going to add to your status and leverage uh, their resources to give you more. Don't do that with what God has given you. Instead, invite the people who can do nothing for you. Invite the people who will never be able to invite you to a banquet because they barely have enough food for their own selves. He's like, those are the people you ought to be inviting. And he says, God will take care of you. So you can imagine the tense area in this room right now like everybody's looking at jesus like man are you serious right now you told all the people who are here that they sat in the wrong seat and now you've told the guy who invited you that he invited the wrong people so we come to verse 15 one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things Uh, when one of those who reclined at table heard these things he said to him blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of god now, I tend to think this guy has the same problem I have. Like when I see a tense situation or it's in a, a serious moment, I try to lighten the mood. I try to change the subject. Or I don't know if any of y'all do that. But this guy's like, yeah, when we all get to heaven, brother, when we all get to heaven, what a day that'll be. You know, you, he, He's trying to change the subject, make it a, a happier tone. And so then Jesus gets into his point. So, see, Jesus isn't giving us social information. He's not telling us how to win people and influence uh, friends or the vice versa. Look at verse 16. But he said to him, A man once gave a banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So Jesus uses this to launch into a parable what he's actually trying to teach these people. He begins to talk about heaven, and he says, heaven's sort of like this. There's a guy who had a banquet, and as he got ready for the banquet, he began to send out invitations. That's a little different than today. You don't create a Facebook group. You don't send out, there's no postal service. You have to send your servants out. And when you send them out and you're giving them save the date, it's like save the month because you're not really sure when it's exactly going to happen. You know, it's like going to be around this time when I finally get everything together. I just want to know who's coming so I know how much food to prepare. Because, you know, there's no microwave, there's no grocery store. Everything takes a lot longer. It's a much more involved process. And so he sends out invitations uh, to know who's coming, and, and then whoever was invited would write back and say, yes, I'm coming, or no, I can't. And so he sends out these invitations, and all these people say, yeah, we'll come. We're ready. You know, let's do this. We're going to come to your, your feast. And so finally the day arrives. All the food's ready. Everything's prepared. And he sends out, and he says, hey, tell everybody, everybody everything's ready. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And so as the servant goes out to tell everybody, hey, the banquet's ready, he, the, the people begin to say, ah, you know, when you said this, it sounded really good. You know, like when it was months away, I really wanted to come. But now that it's right on, right on my doorstep, there's other stuff I'd rather be doing. Like, I'm busy, man. I, I don't have time for this. I just bought a piece of land and I need to go look at it. Now, now how many of y'all buy land sight unseen? 
Like you show up and, you know, it's a toxic waste dump. Of course you don't do that. This guy's like, man, I tell you, I would be there. I promise. But I got to go see this land I just bought. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a totally believable excuse, buddy. And so he, he makes an excuse. He says, I can't come. I'm too busy. So we come to the next one. And another said, I bought five yoke of auction, oxen, verse 19, uh, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. So the first guy has a real estate deal. The second guy has bought some farm equipment. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I buy some farm equipment, I'm going to look at it ahead of time, aren't you? He says, no, I, I bought some, and, and I, I need to go look at them. I need to go look at the oxen. Like, I just bought this big, brand-new tractor. i got to go make sure it's actually a big, brand-new tractor and not just a pair of wheels. And so he says, no, I, um, I'm too busy, too. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make it. And then verse 20, and another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Yeah, that's a surely believable excuse, right? She would much rather sit at home and watch Sports Center with you than go to a party with the rich folks, right? I mean, surely she doesn't want to go get dressed up and go have fun. Surely that's not what, what's going on with a newlywed couple, of course. No, he makes an excuse. He's like, listen, I, I just can't make it. I, I don't have time. All these people are saying, basically, we said we were going to come, but we changed our mind. Now, now on a deeper level... Jesus is talking about the Jewish people. Throughout their history, they've been asking them, praying for the Messiah. They've been praying that the Messiah would come and that he would save them. Jesus shows up and is the Messiah, shows that he's the Messiah, and they say, eh, that sounds good, but we really like this place better. We really don't like how you're doing things, and so we're going to reject you. They've been saying they're going to come. It's finally time for them to enter the kingdom of God, and they say, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to be a part of this. And so they reject him. They, they turn away from him. And so we come to verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry. And, and rightfully so. I mean, guys, how upset are you when you cook a big, huge meal for a bunch of people and none of them show up? Like it, it's, it's hurtful, isn't it? I, I mean, especially in this day, like you can't just freeze the food. What are you going to do with all this food? It's going to waste. The dogs are going to be happy for a while, right? Now, they, what's he going to do? How's he going to take care of this huge feast he's prepared? And, and he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, and blind and lame. Remember who Jesus said to invite to your party. He said, Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go find people that will say yes. See, this group of people that he sends his servant out to, they're all going to say yes. You know why? I ain't got nothing else to do. They're poor, they're blind, they're crippled, and they're lame. They don't have food to eat of their own. Nobody ever invites them to a banquet. No one ever invites them to a feast because they can't invite them back. These people are second choice, like they're second string. Do you think they're upset, though? They're finally getting to go to a banquet. They're hungry. Of course they're going to show up. Think about this, though. This guy has basically invited the whole town. We'll see this here in a minute. But he's basically invited the whole town because he has to keep bringing in people in order to fill his house, except for them. They had to have known this. They show up anyway. They don't mind being second choice because they get to eat. I mean, what else? What other options do they have? So look at, look at verse 22. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in 
that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. And so the servant shows back up and he says, hey, there's still room. The guy says, go out and find more people. Go out in the highways and the hedges. Go out outside of the city. Go out to the outcasts. Go out to the people who aren't even necessarily Jewish and bring them in. People I've never seen before because I want my house to be filled up. I want plenty of people in my house to eat all of this food. I want plenty of people to come in and, and enjoy this feast. So guys, the question we have to answer this morning is, what is the difference? What's the difference between the person who goes in and eats and the person who decides that they're too busy? The person who goes in and eats is hungry. The person who goes in and eats is desperate. The person who goes in realizes they don't have a better option, realizes that this is the only option they have. This is the only invite they're going to get. They don't have any more pressing concerns. So who comes into this banquet? It's not the important people of the town. It's not the people who have other stuff going on in their life. It's the people who have nothing. The poor people come in to this banquet to eat with this uh, apparently very important man if he can fill a whole house full of people. Do Do you honestly think, though, guys, that they came in strutting looking for the most important seat? Do you think they came in saying, hey, I deserve the best seat in the house? I doubt it. I bet you they come in saying, where's the camera? Like, are we on candid camera? Like, it, I guess candid camera is pretty old. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to date myself like that. But, like, is somebody, somebody trying to play a trick on us? Like, are they, are they trying to fool us? Like, if this, if this is me, I'm be like, hey, I don't know if he knows that I'm not supposed to be here. Crystal, grab some rolls, put them in your purse before we get kicked out, right? Like, find some good stuff. Let's, let's make sure we get something to eat. It's been a couple of days since we ate. And no, they're, they're, they aren't going to care if they have to sit on the floor. Like, they don't think of themselves as important. They realize they don't have anything else to offer. They realize no one else is offering them anything. There's no other rich people in town saying, hey, come eat at my house. And so they're not going to show up and say, give me the best seat. They're going to show up and say, I don't care if I get a seat as long as I get to eat. Remember where Jesus is speaking this to. He's speaking this to a group of people who all were fighting for the best seat. He's speaking this to a group of people who had invited people who were hoping other people would invite them back to their feast. He's looking in the faces of these people who thought of themselves as the most important person in the room. And he says, these are the ones who actually enter into the kingdom of God. The ones who are second choice or even third choice. The ones who were hiding off in the bushes that the servant had to go out and shake out to find. These are the people who come in. The problem is that the folks that he's speaking to don't realize that they are those people. They don't realize. See, they think that they are God's gift to God. They think they ought to be chosen because of how good and important and special they are. And if we're not careful, that's who we will be. We will be those who, when Christ invites us, will say, no, I'm okay. i got plenty of other options. See, I'm afraid what we end up doing when we think about salvation and we think about Christ saving us is we end up thinking God looks at us and he weighs the good versus the bad and he says, well, these people are good enough to get in. They, I know they've done some bad stuff, but, you know, they got more good stuff. That's not... What happens? God doesn't look at us and just simply overlook our bad parts for the sake of our good parts. It's not like God looks at me and says, well, John's a sinner, but he's got great hair. You know why? I ain't got any hair. I also don't have any good parts. Like we were sinners. We were rebels against God. 
while Christ died for us. Paul said that in my flesh there dwells no good thing. We have nothing to offer. What did these poor folks show up with when they showed up at this man's banquet? Did they show up bearing gifts and, and bringing in dishes? No. They showed up with nothing. They didn't have anything to offer. Neither do we. And that's the gospel. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. We simply must trust Christ. There is no plan B for us. Jesus is telling these people and he's telling us that if we don't trust him, there's no other option. There's no other invites. There's no one else saying, hey, I'm going to let you into my banquet because there's no other banquet to go to. We tend to forget that the, the party invites we get from Jesus are the only party that we can ever go to. It is amazing, though, that every time Jesus talks about heaven, he talks about it in terms of a, a feast or a party, something exciting and something fun, something good. It's a reminder that in this dark world, we actually have an invitation to the perfect place in the universe with the perfect Savior. And so he said, come to my party. Come to my feast. Quit thinking of yourself as so important that you don't need me. Now, here's, here's the deal, though. For those of you who have trusted Christ, and this has been true in my own life, and I bet you it's true in most of yours as well. The further along the road you go with your relationship with Jesus, you tend to begin to move towards the middle of the room. Like you begin to think that you're more important than you are. And so you've been here for a little bit, you've been at the Jesus party for a little while, and you, you start thinking, eh, I know some stuff now. Like I've got some theology, I've got some doctrine, I've got some years of church under my belt. I think I can move over a little bit. I'm a little more important today than I was yesterday. And before you know it, in your mind and in your heart, you're so close to the middle. You're the most important person in the universe. You're the most special person there. You're the most powerful person there, right? You're there because you are so amazing and wonderful. And you look up and you've forgotten that the only reason why you ever got in in the first place is he called you in because nobody else was coming. I was, I was sharing, uh, me and Crystal were talking about how dumb I am. It's a favorite topic of ours. and uh, I don't know about y'all, but that's the kind of stuff we talk about in our marriage. It makes it healthy. If you, if you need a, a good little, you know, counseling time, just talk about how dumb you are. It, it works out well. But uh, anyway, we were just, <laughs> and we got on the subject of salvation. And I, I was just, as I was thinking through this passage, I was thinking about how when I came to Christ, I, I remember I, I was just stuck. Man, I, I was so stuck. I couldn't do anything. I, I would try to, try to turn over my life. I would try to change my life. I'd try to just sort of come to church and, and be a better person like that. Not, not really commit, but, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm going to dip my toe in and I'm going to go home and, and everything's going to be okay. Like, I, I kept trying that. And I kept failing. In fact, I kept getting worse and worse and worse until finally, I, I mean, I, I was just at a loss. Like, I couldn't do anything good. Like, everything I was doing was terrible. I was miserable. I had no options. I was completely locked down by my sin. And I remember... Uh, just like it was yesterday, because you know we were talking about yesterday when I was talking about how dumb I am, and she was agreeing that that I have forgotten over the years that the only reason why I ever got set free was He set me free. It's not that I came to Him and I said, "Hey, I'm going to do this, 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 and this," and He said, "Okay, well, let me write that down in a contract, and you know, if in five years you're not here, then you're in trouble, or you know, I'm going to go ahead and set you free because you made all these promises." No, He set me free because of His grace, because of His mercy. I didn't earn my way in. It's not like I showed up and said, "Hey, I got a ticket 
I deserve to be here. No, I came crawling in because I knew this was the only option I had. I, I, I was tired of trying to keep my options open. Nothing else was working. This is it. And guys, I'm afraid what we do is we walk along with Jesus is we stop walking along with Jesus and we start walking by ourselves and trying to prove how good we are and prove how smart we are and how powerful we are and we forget to lean on Him. And we start thinking we don't need things like the Bible and we don't need things like prayer and we don't need things like gathering to worship with God's people. We don't need those things anymore because I got this. I can make it happen. I can make it work. The truth is, you can't. Like you, you never, <laughs> speaking in Jesus' parable here, you never go from being the poor person to the rich person. You never go from being someone who got there regardless of what you deserve to being someone who actually deserves to be there on your own merit. But the flip side of that, the cool side of that, is... When Christ saves us, remember Jesus, uh, the Son of God, goes, he comes in human flesh and he, he lives the perfect life and at the end of that perfect life he goes to the cross and he dies in our place and, and he pays our price and he offers to us full uh, salvation, full pardon and full righteousness. And he says when we trust on him, well then we become joint heirs with the, the Son of God, the King of the universe. And, and he tells us that we're so important as a matter of fact that he would give his own that he would give his own life in our place, that he would die for us. And that when God looks at us, he sees the perfect righteousness of his son. So yes, on our own, we can never make it. But with him, we have perfect, a perfect relationship with God. The problem is, is when we begin to believe somehow we did something to earn it. And that's where the problem comes in. So, so some of you this morning, you need to be reminded, hey, it's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he has done. Then some of us, guys, we need to be reminded that God, in this, in this parable that Jesus gives, that the master of the house keeps sending his servant out until the house is full. It's not just about the folks who got in. It's about all those folks who haven't come in yet. We as believers have a responsibility, like this servant, to go out and pull other people in with us. To say, hey, Listen. I get to be a part of the Jesus party. Don't you want to be a part? Don't you want to be a part of eternal life with Him? Don't you want to enjoy this? We have Easter coming up in a couple of weeks. Who have you invited? Who are you going to invite to come to church with you in a couple of weeks? Who are you going to say, hey, let me tell you about what Christ has done for me. Would you come and hear about Him? Would you come and, and hear the fact that we serve not a dead Savior, but a living Savior? He's called you to do that. If He has saved you and you have trusted on Him, who have you shared that gospel with? Because He wants a full house. We ought to be praying that His house, that this church building is full every week. We ought to be disappointed when it's not full. Not because we care about numbers, but because we care about people learning about who Jesus is and what He has done. So often... We get so focused on ourselves, we forget who has saved us. Or maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you have not trusted on Him. You have not believed on Him because you're keeping your options open. How's that working out for you? You said, nah, I, maybe I'll believe on down the road, but I just got too much other stuff going on in my life. I can't, I can't be having Jesus all up in it right now. He makes a mess. He does make a mess. I promise you. You trust on Jesus, He's going to make a mess. He's going to call you to do things you don't necessarily want to do. But he'll set you free. 
He'll set you free from all those other things you've trusted in and believed that they would help you. Quit keeping your options open, guys. No one better is coming along. Trust on Him. Believe on Him. Follow Him. If you've not believed on Him this morning, why? Why have you not put your faith in Him? Why have you not trusted in Him? Do you honestly believe that you can just keep on doing what you're doing and never stand before the Lord? I'm just going to be honest with you. I I don't know many. It happens every now and then, but I've not met many people who pass away who are expecting to. Our lives are always shorter than we think they are. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to trick you. But the truth is, every day we say, Nah, I'm good. I got something else better to do. There's another day closer to the day we won't have another chance. Jesus tells a story, and I know I'm out of time, and I'm not going to go back there. But these people come to him, and they're asking him why these terrible things happen. Uh, to people and why these people have died and, and, and what this is all about. And Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, these people didn't die because they're worse than you. He didn't die, they didn't die because they're worse sinners than you are. They died because people die. We live in a world full of sin and death. And good people die and bad people die every single day. So don't think that because you do some good stuff every now and then you got more time. You're not promised that. Why are you trying to keep your options open this morning? Why are you trying to hope for someone else to come along better than Jesus? The one who died for you. The one who offers you eternal life with him. And says, come, follow me, trust on me, and enter into eternal life. Would you trust on him this morning? Would you quit putting it off and finally put your faith in him? Stand with us. And as you stand, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word.